What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 18 of Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore. And I wanted to make this a, a recap of the Lake Eufaula Bassmaster Elite event. Um, it was a great event overall, and so I wanted to just talk about what what we got to see and what my thoughts were from from the first event back since the coronavirus hit uh, the world. So, man, Lake Eufaula, we were, there was a lot of anticipation leading up to this event. I mean, we hadn't fished for three months. Basically, the last cast of competition was March 8th, the final day of the Bassmaster Classic, and then we had three months off and so it was good to get back june 10th through the 13th at lake eufaula in alabama that lake has uh been exploding the last few years it's one of those lakes that went in a downturn and tournaments really didn't go there um you know the last time a bassmaster event had been there was 2006 then it uh it went through a downturn you know i'd say probably in the mid 2000s you know 10 2010 region and it came back up over the last four or five years for sure. And we got to see that lake show out uh, in a lot of different facets. So, man, to see as many guys catch them shallow as I thought over the first two or three days of competition, what was crazy was, yeah, it's it's June. It's, it's not the, the best conditions for a four-day tournament to fish shallow. But there's plenty of cover there. So I figured that somebody would get it done and be able to fish shallow uh, for a few days there and have a good finish. Um, That ended up happening, but it was a lot less than I thought. Uh, The majority, if not almost all the top 10, I believe nine of the top 10 fished, uh, you know, fished deep for 90% of their tournament. So that was a tough thing to to watch unfold as that shallow bite just started dying for, for folks. We did see though, the first two days of competition, it was all shallow anglers at the top. I believe out of the the top 10, I think five of the top six were all, were fishing majority, if not 75% of their day shallow. We had Matt Airy led after day two, Bill Lowen led after day one. Mike Huff caught the big bass up shallow on day one, a 612. So there was a lot of different, I think, 612 or 613. There was a lot of different things going positively for the shallow gang. I think um, Matt Airy, Jake Whitaker, I'm trying to think of who was third, fourth, and fifth on day on day two. I think Scott Canterbury was third. He had fished shallow and offshore, but he had caught a couple key fish shallow on uh, on uh, on day two and, and, uh, and day one. So... The top three for sure. I got. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Fourth and fifth on day two, but they were also shallow. I looked at it. and I was like, man, like I believe Jamie Hartman was the only guy. I think he was sixth place. That was uh, offshore, and so we got to see that happen. Uh, and then, and then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, we got to see it die. Uh, Bill Lowen didn't do as great. Um, missed the top 10. Jake Whitaker went from second place to 39th, only catching one fish on day two, on day three. Uh, guys like Caleb Kufal, rookie for the Elite Series, he made it to the final day. The only angler predominantly fishing shallow for his old game plan. So to me, I, I expected a stronger topwater bite a little bit. It wasn't extremely hot water. They had a pretty cool May. So 
It wasn't extremely hot water. There was plenty of grass up there. The water levels were fluctuating up and down, and, and so I don't know if that had a, dip, a deal with it, but the offshore game, which we expected to be the majority of the heavy hitters, we thought, uh, or at least I thought, hey, there would be a lot, of sh- a lot of deep guys, but there will be a couple shallow guys that will really show out, and they had their times. We got to see shallow anglers every day on live, um, but they just couldn't cash in and, and prosper all four days other than Caleb Kufal. So... That being said, it did get one offshore uh, where we probably expected it to get one. When I set my fantasy fishing lineup, I had three guys that were offshore anglers. I had Buddy Gross, Clint Davis, uh, and Garrett Paquette. Then for my shallow guys, I had Luke Palmer and Brock Mosley. So it was a really good showing for my team. I think Luke Palmer was 49th, and he was my only guy who missed the missed the top 40 cut. Ended up having Buddy Gross, which was my, my weak saver. He went from 10th barely making the cut for the final day to first getting all kinds of bonus points for the biggest bag of the event 27 11 on the final day but we did see we saw a lot of brush pile fishing we saw some guys just straight offshore fishing on some hard spots and some ledge type deals but it was uh it was i mean it was just a little different than i expected i had never seen lake ufala i've never been there myself so it probably played out exactly like some people thought but man they caught them they caught them the weights were great for Scott Canterbury to lose the lead on the final day and finish second by a pound, it wasn't like he struggled. He had 19 pounds on the final day. It's just he gave up a seven-pound lead because Buddy Gross took it. He didn't really give up a seven-pound lead. Buddy Gross took a, took the seven-pound lead and threw it in the garbage by catching 27-11 on the final day. Truly remarkable. Uh, we got to see that go down on Bassmaster Live. That was really cool. Man, there was a lot of different patterns in play, a lot of regions of the lake, but there was a that key region of the lake, that midsection of the lake from White Oak to Patala. It seemed like that was that was the region. If you were fishing offshore, you needed to be in that region all four days. And we saw guys like Brandon Lester, we saw Buddy Gross in that region, both Drews, uh, Drew Cook and Drew Benton. Um, I think Scott Canterbury jumped around there. Jamie Hartman wasn't too far from those regions. Um, so that, that ended up being the really key area. One thing that was really intriguing to me was the morning bite. There was different bite windows for different anglers on different parts of the lake. Obviously, that may, that makes sense. Of course, one part of the lake might bite different than the other. But the offshore anglers really caught them in the morning. They caught them quick. They would jump out to leads. And all of a sudden at 9 o'clock, Dead. They just wouldn't get another bite until the afternoon. But during that midday portion, that 10 a.m. to noon, those shallow anglers would really rise to the top. I mean, we got to see, like, in a, in, in a matter of 20 minutes, we saw Jake Whitaker, Bill Lowen, Kyle Welcher, all those guys jump up into the top five by fishing shallow. And so it was really intriguing to see how that shallow bite in the middle of the day, the hottest the sun is the brightest right above the right beating straight down on the lake that ended up being the best time of day for the shallow fishermen and then the last hour or so we would see a mixed variety of guys who were fishing shallow would catch a key fish or a guy fishing deep would finally catch a key fish in that final hour of the day so i'd say the the first part of the day was definitely in the offshore angler's favor 
the middle of the part of the day was the shallow waters favor and then the last hour or two of the day was was kind of a toss-up uh different days different guys would rise to the top so really unique there um but overall, you follow showed out. I was super excited. It took 84 and a half pounds to win. Uh, 83 and a half got second. And I think uh, majority, if not all of the top 12 or top 10 had 70 pounds or so, um, which is pretty solid. So normally we end up seeing like a huge disparity on the final day between first and 10th based on who really rose to the top and who really just struggled. But we really didn't see a big disparity in weight midday of the day when Scott Canterbury had his majority of his weight I mean it was sitting there and it was it was a, like a 22 pound lead over 10th and it, it ended up not being nearly that much uh, when everyone started finally getting their bags and, and catching them the way they wanted to so you follow really showed out I was really excited about that and the one cool thing is we got to see it all go down on Bassmaster Live uh, Bassmaster Live it's been around for a couple years for sure since the 2015 classic it's been around but we got to see it in a different capacity this week we got to see it not only on bassmaster.com and the watch espn app but we got to see it go down on espn2 it was really cool to be able to broadcast and to commentate a live sporting event on espn2 a lot of people watching and uh and that was that was really neat to see the reaction from fans that had never seen bass fishing, some that had seen it uh, just a little, and then our diehard fans that would tune in wherever we would put it out and stream, they would watch it. So we got to see a, a new crowd and a new crew of, of fans tune in and watch it because no other sports are going on really right now other than golf started back up, NASCAR started back up, and now Bassmaster and, and the sport of bass fishing has started back up so super excited about that whole week and i'll continue to say that that phrase super excited because it felt good to be back the normalcy of it uh was really comforting that we were able to see anglers catching fish doing their job making a living for their families and doing it safely um while still being able to start up the season because if you think about it we always have 12 months to really put the to put the schedule together and uh this year we've basically got to put an entire season's worth uh in six months or or so from june to november so that's the interesting part of it is in five or six months we're going to put all the bassmaster opens all the elite series events the college events uh team championship nation all of that squeezed in high school squeezed into five months or so but it was really comforting to get back see like you follow put out and those anglers really just man a lot of those anglers had never been there it's got one of the most storied histories for any lake in Bassmaster history it's our 18th time visiting lake you but we haven't been there since 2006 so a whole new generation of anglers had never been to lake you and got to experience it this past week and uh man our the big winners of that event big winner of the event for sure was buddy gross because he won the event um, we got to see Chris Zaldane catch that 7-5 on Bassmaster Live, and that was the big fish for the tournament. But other winners, I think the fans were some winners. They got to really get back into it. We got to see the desire of the fans. You know, the viewership was great. We got to see them um, get back to enjoying the sport that they love. And uh, I mentioned it, new fans got to watch and whatnot. 
and uh, hopefully they become fans. But it was good. It was, uh, man, a lot of energy, energy and excitement towards that event. It felt good for me. I mean, it's a lifelong dream. We talked about it, Davey Height and I. I gave him a phone call, and I said, man, stinks that you won't be in studio with us to do Bassmaster Live, but Zona will be here, and you'll be out on the water. And I said, it's great that you're out on the water because you have a lot of history with Eufaula, and it'll be a good time for you to really show off as a sideline reporter, quote-unquote, like other other sports have a sideline reporter. For Davey to be able to get out there and, and uh, explain things that are going on, he won an event, he won an event at Lake Eufaula in 1994. He closed out his Angler of the Year run in 2002 at Lake Eufaula, finishing third. And uh, so he, he gets to have some of that history come back up. And we got to really uh, see him flex his muscles out on the water. It was cool to see that. But I talked to him on the phone and I was like, man, this is like, this is pretty incredible. The whole ESPN2 for Bassmaster Live thing. And he's like, I know. I thought of two people immediately when I when I heard about it. And I thought of Jerry McInnes, the late, great Jerry McInnes, um, the one who founded all of this with JM and and the whole, you know, putting the crew together that ended up developing Bassmaster Live. Pretty pretty unique and pretty awesome. Definitely one of the most influential people in the sport of bass fishing ever, period. Uh, to have him lift up Bassmaster the way he did and even even developing FLW before that, that JM came over and, and helped with Bassmaster, help uh, helping bring him to ESPN because he had the the longest running show on ESPN other than Sports Center and that was the fishing hole. His connections with ESPN uh, helped get fishing on that platform and it's been there ever since. And so super grateful for Jerry and I know that he is super proud that it's gotten to this point. His son Mike is uh, is my boss here at JM. He's the I don't know what his exact title is, but he's the executive producer or the, you know, he's the, he's the man that makes it all, makes it all happen and, and communicates what each member of the team needs to do. And, uh, he's enabled and equipped and, and, um, delegated greatly. And we have a lot of great people at JM that have prospered from Jerry and Mike's way of coaching and teaching and leading. Um, that's the biggest thing is jumping in and getting your hands dirty and helping the team and not just telling the team what to do. And that's what the McInnes have always been about. So I know that Jerry was super excited um, and probably just proud as can be that we that this opportunity came up for Bassmaster to be on ESPN2 live. Um, it's definitely changed the way we do sports and fishing, having live stuff. So I know he was proud, and then Davey said that I was probably super excited as anyone to uh, have the ESPN2 thing, and I was like, why did you think of me? And he's like, well, I mean, this is just something you've always dreamed of to be a part of it, and now that you get to be a part of it, to be able to to be a part of it on ESPN2 is probably something important. And so I was super humbled that he thought of that, but it, it truly was. It's something that, man, when I was in high school, I loved all sports. I wrote notebooks, spiral notebooks full of stats and different things of sports, um, just remembering numbers and athletes and even NASCAR. I'd write down every number and who drove that car for other sports things. I did all kinds of stuff. And so um, it's really something cool to be able to use all of the that info and whatnot and, and do it to bass fishing. And now... Um, and now that I am where I am with Bassmaster... 
being able to use it on a platform like ESPN2 is super awesome. And uh, I just am grateful to be a part of the broadcasting team there. It's uh, it's something that that has been a lifelong dream. I always wanted to be a sports reporter or a statistician for the NBA or for some other sports, whatnot. But uh, I'm fortunate that Bassmaster came along as early as it did in my life in college. And so that's cool. And um, I'm just almost at a loss for words, the opportunity to be able to work with Bassmaster and do it on ESPN2. 20 hours we got to put out there on ESPN2 of live bass fishing. And man, the anglers showed out. It was awesome. I know it's going to be influential for them. It's going to be awesome. And I'm super, super honored um, that it that it worked out the way it did. But wanted to come in and give my final thoughts. Extremely impressed with Buddy Gross. And man, there's those guys who are, oh, that guy's a frog genius. That guy's a that guy's an offshore hammer. That guy's a, a flipping jig. That's his deal. Um, but for Buddy Gross to be known as an offshore ledge fisherman, deep guy, if they can catch him offshore, he's going to catch him there, and he's going to do great. For him to do that and to to not only catch him, but just to catch him as big as he did on the final day. And what's crazy is I got to do a not an exit interview, but a kind of recap, talk to him about his week, and he said, man, I had 16 pounds and change and was 43rd on the on the first day. And I had so many stupid things happen that I should have been at the top of the leaderboard or near it day one. And it wouldn't have been a surprise to everybody for me to rise up. But he said he had a seven-pounder on that he reeled up his lanyard of his life jacket in his reel. So he couldn't reel and he had to undo it and he lost that fish. And just some freak things that never happened happened and had him be on the eight ball. But it all worked out the way it was supposed to. It was cool to see Mike Golick and some of those people from ESPN, the ones who know about bass fishing and know about Bassmaster, to to really push it and and show their pride in it. You know, it was people are like, "Oh, it's bass fishing." Well, Buddy Gross won a hundred thousand dollars. Like, that's awesome. I mean, that's a that's a great purse for a professional sport to uh, for the winner to get. And so, really pleased with how it all went. Hopefully, in the future, more of that is more of that is in store. You never know with how the virus stuff is in other sports, or you never know if they liked it enough. You just don't know, but. I'm uh, I'm excited to see if there are people at ESPN2 that are going to push for it and uh, if maybe we can get future events on ESPN2 even for a portion of it. So hoping to hoping to see that come. It'll be a great opportunity. But if you're listening to this podcast and it's the middle of the week, I wanted to inform you that this weekend, I believe it is, what's today? Today is June 17th. So June 20th, Bassmaster Live is coming to the Opens. We will have the final day of the Opens live at the Arkansas River. Yours truly will be hosting. I'll have a couple Elite Series pros and some other anglers come in as guest analysts. But we will have six hours of Bassmaster Live from the Opens, from the Arkansas River on the final day. They're going to have day one, day two, full field. They'll cut it to the top 12, and we'll have five or six cameras out there covering the top 12 anglers to see who wins the open punches the ticket to the classic moves an inch closer to qualifying for the elite series so it's going to be great i'm super excited to uh to host that i'm grateful and it'll be a good insight to the next level of anglers whether they're pros that decided to fish the opens or they're actual 
you know, semi-pro anglers or young college graduates that are trying to make it to the elites. It's going to be cool to display their skills and talents at the Arkansas River. It's going to be an interesting event, and that place is always a river system. If it says something river, it's going to be a tough place to fish, but it could be uh, could be unique and see some things. The water fluctuation and whatnot and the barge traffic locking, uh, the techniques that will come into play and, and all those things. It'll be one to watch. So this Saturday, I believe 6.30 to 9.30 Central time, so 7.30 to 10.30 Eastern time, 11.30 to 2.30 Eastern time. Those will be the three-hour windows that will be live. And so join us then, and then uh, just a couple weeks from there, we'll be at Cayuga for the next Elite Series event on the schedule. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Awesome, awesome Lake Eufaula event. That community showed out. It was cool to see the support there. The lake showed out, the anglers showed out, and we had a great return of the Elite Series uh, for the 2020 season. So join us this weekend for the Opens Live, and then we'll continue to carry that momentum through July, where we have three Elite Series events in New York. Those should all be great. Cayuga, St. Lawrence River, and Champlain should be awesome. Hope to see you guys there. Tune in for the next podcast, but this was episode 18 of Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore, breaking down my thoughts on the Lake Eufaula Bassmaster Elite event. See you.